Hello and welcome to Take Me Through Your Day. On today's episode, we have a political organizer. Now, you know, we don't like to get political here. We like to make everyone feel welcome. And I think we did a pretty good job at that. We have um, just a pretty good resource of, of what you need to do if you want to get into this field. And a, and a good insight into what your day would be like. So uh, I, don't, I don't think I need to describe anything more about that. So, um, you know, as usual, if you'd like to be on the show or you know someone who would be great for the show, please get at us on social media at TakeMeTYD or at TakeMeTYD at gmail.com for now. And um, yeah, enjoy the show. All right, so... You're a little bit of an interesting case because I'm not interviewing you about something that you're doing. It's more about something that you did and maybe get back into. Yeah, so we're going to do the political organizing or you know, two ways we go or do both. Well, okay, let's start with that. We'll do both. The political organizing? Yeah. Okay. If you think that's the, the better way to start? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So um, how did what got you started in that field? I mean, because you, you know... When I went, I went to graduate school for one year in Cincinnati, and when I was there, one of my um, the people in my cohort uh, dragged me to canvas and knocked doors for John Kerry in his hmm. race versus George Bush, which didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Um, so I knocked doors when I there was there, and then and, um, moved to Pittsburgh in two thousand seven, and I happened to room with somebody who was very politically active. And they dragged me out to knock doors for Obama in 2008. Okay. Um, and then in 2010, I was a paid canvasser for like two weeks for a state senate campaign that lost. Uh, my roommate, another roommate, um, you know, hooked me up with that. I took a leave of absence from like the job I was doing. And then in 2016, the initial roommate that had me out knocking for Obama, he um, offered me a job as an organizer um, for an organization nationwide that is um, that is affiliated with Democrats, and their basic goal is to register college students to vote and get them out to the polls. Okay, but this could potentially be an entry-level position, like your friend just saw and knew that you could probably handle this? Yeah, um, so it was kind of a... he. Because he knew me so well, he had known me for a decade, he, um, it was kind of a leap. People tended to have a little bit more experience when they went into that job, and the title was organizer. Uh-huh. So that's a, kind of um, the entry-level, full-time position when people really get into politics after they've maybe been canvassing or interning or knocking doors. That's what they end up. But that would be the doing. initial first step was canvassing and, and whatnot? Yeah, so if you want to get involved, like the normal path, would be to go volunteer for a local campaign or candidate you like. Um, then ask about positions, and they always need people. Yeah. Um, it's a young person's job. There's rapid turnover, and so they're always just churning through people. It's, it's kind of a, um, a stopover on, in people's career arcs on the way to, say, working on like a candidate's staff or in the private sector doing something. Now you don't have to give me any numbers or anything like that, but um, like salary-wise, are you making a decent living? Are you, you taking care of all your basic needs with this job alone? Um, yes, absolutely. 
So I'll give it. It's it, it was a like I said, it was a super pack, so it was fairly well paid. Um, but that position paid thirty five hundred dollars a month. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. And um, you know, it lasted four months, and a lot of stuff was reimbursed. All gas mileage. Um, a lot of meals. Hmm. You know, if I wore through shoes. <laughs> Walking around for months, like, and I bought it, that was pretty easy to get reimbursed. Like, nice. anything, they didn't want you to spend any money of your own doing this. Other campaigns, if you work for a candidate, they might be on more of a shoestring budget and you have to get a little more creative. But still, an organizer is going to at least make, you know, I've never seen him make less than 2000 a month, which is low. Um, but that's, 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 bottom rung. Yeah, I mean, if that's the bottom rung, then that's, that's yeah. okay. Uh, Especially going, if you're young and you're getting just getting involved. For the first going time. rate is typically 2500 3000 if you're going to get hired full-time. Here's the problem, though. You're going to work... You know, they start with saying that the hour expectations are, oh, yeah, we want you to work from 10 to 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. six days a week, and that turns into 9 a.m. to midnight seven days a week by the end of the campaign. Um, so I take lot, this, it's a salaried position, not an hourly position. Yeah, it's salaried. And so you end up making less than $10 an hour. We, were, we calculated it, you know. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were making less per hour than, like, the interns at one point because they only were doing, like, 15 hours a week and handsomely paid. So in, in those hours, what are your actual um, d- duties? Like, what are, what are you doing hour by hour? So so you go in there, it's the beginning of the day, what's... So there's two positions, and we can go into either of them. The first one is... Well, let's, let's back up a little bit even further. Let's say um, your buddy gets you the job, and it's, it's your first day on. What's okay. that experience like? What are you doing? Okay. Um, just... First off, mass confusion. I had no idea what I was doing. All right, give me an hour or two. You wake up when, you get there when. Okay. Um, so we had a morning call at 9.30. Okay. We had to call into, like, kind of a group. It was, like, a specific number. The, uh, the other organizers and I would call in with our boss who was in Pittsburgh. Um, and the 11 of us would go through. And I usually, some people like to get up a little bit earlier and shower and be fresh and bright-eyed, bush, bushy-tailed. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, so I would um, I would set an alarm for 927, <laughs> call the number from bed, and listen to the call. I actually fell asleep on the call the one time and didn't even make it to myself. So we'd go through, and um, our boss would, you know, maybe go over something brief for the day if there was anything of note, which there usually wasn't. And he'd go through each of this, and I really like this. Um, he would ask us what our goals for the day, and so our we were we were measured, um, we were judged. The metrics we were judged by was like how many people we registered to vote, and how many people we got to sign these little cards that said they committed to vote because it was they were more likely to vote if they signed a card that said I'm committing to vote. Sure. So we just had to put their name <laughs> and number and address on it, and then we would like call them every once in a while see if they wanted to volunteer and then we call them on election day and make sure they go vote and so we were judging how many of those cards we had completed but mostly like how many voter registrations we had that was our primary thing because that was really all we could do um so we go hang on how many voter registrations um 
what's your goal today? You know, and I would say something. I would have an idea what my day looked like um, a couple weeks in, and I would, you know, say like, oh, I'm a forty. The goal of forty voter registrations today and sixty CTVs, commitment to vote cards. Um, and that would be a realistic goal. On some days, yeah. Right. It depended on what was going on. Everything changed as the campaign went on. Like, uh, and we can get into that, but. Um, and then fantastic management tool he would say okay what's your plan A, B, and C for getting this done what's your plan A what are you, what are you, what are you planning to do and if it rains or if you're kicked off this campus like you go to this college and they say something happens or you know what are your alternative plans to getting this done and it puts that at the front of your mind um, and, and that was good to get thinking about that at the beginning of the day so then I would um throw on I would um uh throw on some clothes. Uh there's this there's a term called campaign stink. <laughs> Basically people are working such long hours. You get used to people like having a little bit of an odor around you. I was probably a little one of the worst. <laughs> um but yeah, like it would be a shower when I came home at night, but not in the morning. I would just run out the office. Yep. and head wherever, either to the main office or one of the campuses I was assigned to, where I had multiple, I had interns at every campus, so sometimes they were already out doing stuff that I had assigned to them the night before. Now, is that something you need permits for, or you just go to college campuses and just have <laughs> at it? <laughs> it's, uh, the one phrase we used a lot was, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like, uh, you know, ask permission later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, better don't better to ask them. for forgiveness than for permission. We were uh, an outside organization without a club on any of these campuses that's heavily affiliated with Democrats and that 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 went over a lot better in some schools than others. It goes over great at Park, mm-hmm. which is very theater, very liberal, heavy, like, you know, like, it's it, it, they voted 90% like Democrat, but not as well as it where we were banned from. <laughs> How did that go? Was it just uh, like, hey, you guys can't come on here? They started to catch wise that you guys were on campus. When and... I got the job, which actually was like two years ago, like this week or last week, um, they're like, you're banned from already. <laughs> like, when I got the job, like, this is one of your schools. You have to get 300 voter registrations from students at these schools in the next two weeks. And also, by the way, you're not allowed on their campus. Mm. So what's the plan at that point? Go to other campuses and just give up there and try to make up for it elsewhere. Oh, okay. So it didn't matter that it wasn't from them. Yeah, I, I mean, they wanted it from there, but... Um, I mean, you couldn't just go down the street to, like, a Starbucks that a lot of students frequent and... That was a strategy people eventually tried to do is, you know, their... Um, the hot spots. You know, like, they weren't allowed there. They set up at the bagel factory right next to campus. I set up at, like, right across the street from... on. Fifth Avenue with like donuts and hot coffee some mornings. Have my intern set up there. Um, and also, um, for what's what's the holiday coming up? Memorial Labor Day? Day. Labor Day. I always get them crossed up. Uh, Labor Day weekend, my genius idea was we'd been banned from there, but Labor Day weekend, there's no adults on campus. <laughs> there's a lot of kids because it's, it's, it's like um, brings in students from all over the country. They're not going home for Labor Day. Yeah. So we, we went on campus, and we registered, like, 300 students in, like, seven hours, which is a uh, crazy pace. Yeah. 
they had never seen anybody registering people to vote. There were people everywhere. Everywhere you walked, you had somebody sticking a clipboard in your face. Mm-hmm. These kids, nobody had been there because nobody was allowed there. And so we just had kind of had to run on the campus for like a weekend until we got thrown off like three days later. Yeah, that was that was my next question. What is it like? Your band? How do they kick you out? They're just a security guard, and they're like, "Hey, you're not allowed. You have to leave." We would try to hide any paraphernalia from our organization, so they didn't know who exactly we were. Uh huh. Um, I would always wear like a, I had I had hoodies from every college. <laughs> I look a little young, so like people kind of buy. Maybe I'm a graduate student. There. Yeah, you got the baby face thing. Yeah, going on. and um, you know, as a man in my mid to late 30s like running around college campus is a little weird I, and I always said I couldn't do the job if I looked my age yeah yeah. but I didn't fortunately so I just put on a decaying hoodie is that a common thing people in your position to be your age or is it mostly younger people I was the oldest like out of the 10 organizers they ranged in age from 22 to 38 um, and you know there was like two people in their 30s like 30, 32 All right, so it's not unheard of it's just... some in their late 20s but um, that's it's more a function of it's a young person it's it's it's, it's an energy thing. Um, you know this isn't something for people in their fifties like long hours. It can be physical, um, and you have to be energetic. You have to get people excited. To by physical, you just mean on your feet. You're on your feet. You're walking around. I mean, eventually, you're not doing that if you're doing your job. So, yeah. for an organizer. Um, they say, you know, my first day, they, they said, your job is to organize yourself out of a job. And it's like, great, I don't want to work anyway. I'd love to organize myself yeah. out of a job. And what they mean by that is you have to recruit. So you get, like, I had interns, and you have to, like, train them up and get them ready to go and then get volunteers. So you get volunteers in, and then they're doing all the work that you were doing when you started. So basically the job, you could get away with just, like, I, I delegate. That's all I do is I that's delegate. The last month, that's literally all I did. I never held a clipboard for, like, the final month. Okay. From from October till November of the election. I, I mean, a bit hyperbolic, but I really, you know, I was, I started dressing up. Like, I stopped yeah. wearing sneakers. I was wearing dress shoes, like, just kind of, you know. Look the part. Out. Like, I, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've gave myself an upgrade, so, yeah. or a promotion. Yeah, I, I did. gave myself a promotion. I actually, I literally did that. Like I, 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 you know, I had three campuses, and I made three of my interns student organizers mm. on the campuses. Made up a title. Yeah, and they loved it. Like the one of girl announced it on her Facebook. I was, I was, <laughs> I was promoted to student organizer at this 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 university, and I was like, I can't believe that worked. Um, but it's it's a wonderful management technique is like empowering people and it works on even on people who know the technique. Oh yeah. You know, when I started they're like, "Hey, you're going to be our data director." I was like, "All right." All right. I'm yeah, I'm a math guy. I can help everybody with this stuff and I realized they like hoodwinked me and did exactly what but I liked it, you know. You look people like having responsibility and being empowered and giving control. Mm-hmm. Now, the part of it is you have to like not be a micromanager and you have to give people yeah. the latitude to make mistakes and and come up with their own ways and their own solutions and yeah good um i think we we just walked past it a little bit but you said that that your first day there was a little chaotic as i had no idea what i was doing they threw eight different apps at me they they download this this and this and this is how you're going to do this and this is how you're going to do this this is how you're going to do 
your expenses, your expense reporting. And they glossed over the one part, so I didn't even get paid for any of them reimbursements for like two months because I didn't know uh-huh. what I was doing and somebody just neglected to mention to me and that's that's not my fault but like also my boss had started two weeks the, the the nature of campaigns is from an organizational standpoint is they're thrown together very quickly mm-hmm. and people are just flying by the seat of their pants it's not like going to work at Alcoa which has like a structure that's been existing for decades yeah and that you just become a part of it's like everybody's just kind of putting it together as they go and there's a lot of creativity um, and freestyling. So it was it was just a matter of like getting caught up. So I had my first two days and it was like, hey, you got to contact all these organizations on all these campuses. You have to figure out who the person is to contact at all these different schools and how you're going to do this job and good luck. And they really empowered me to do it, but also I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I was asking other people. And then we went to like a three-day training where we're supposed to be like off our phones and like paying attention but I had other things I wanted to be doing like hiring interns mm-hmm. and it was a really chaotic first week and you know a couple you know like six seven eight days in I was like I can't handle this I'm not gonna be able to do this I might quit I stuck with it yeah it did well yeah and eventually yeah it, it, it all worked out now I know you don't do it currently but is this something you're looking to do in the future if something comes up if the opportunity arises the right opportunity um i just was offered a position as a campaign manager um for an unspecified seat but you know it's a state race and i turned it down for a variety of reasons um but a lot of it is a lot of it's the energy thing like i I didn't know if i had had it in me to work four months for a candidate and also i got to really believe in the candidate you have to really get invested that was my next question. For? Like, how much does your personal politics weigh into that decision-making process? For me, personally, heavily. A lot of people, this is a stepping stone to, like, they want to be a, a chief of staff for a U.S. senator. That's not what I want to do, actually. don't want to do things unrelated to this. Um, so I can look at it more specifically, the job itself. And so what I've done is I won't work for a candidate. I won't, wouldn't vote for myself. Okay. And I really have to believe in him. So I really believed that Trump shouldn't be president in 2016. That wasn't hard to get fired up for. Um, and then I, you know, worked for a couple other candidates, worked for a city council race this past spring. And I really believed in that candidate. And I could get invested. You have to. like it, This would be impossible if you didn't really have a vested interest in that candidate. I can imagine. If you were a mercenary. But I mean, I, I could imagine, but also, that being said, I imagine there are some people out there that, that don't. Yeah, absolutely. That there's got to be a, a, a percentage that are just like, I really don't care about politics. I just want this type of job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it pays okay. Um, sometimes people complain about the pay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're not going to get rich doing this? I grew up poor. $3,500 a month is great um you know i hope to be making much more down the line but what i'm saying is that there's kind of like a privilege there thing sometimes but um yeah i've seen people like they've quit campaigns because they don't believe in the candidate yeah you know when when this super PAC when i started we hadn't endorsed hillary hillary was the democratic nominee at that point it was august it was clear what we were doing and who we were working for 
not who we were working for, but who we were trying to help. Mm-hmm. We weren't trying to help the Green Party. We weren't trying to help Jill Stein. It wasn't trying to help Gary Johnson. It was trying to turn out votes for Hillary Clinton for president. And then we endorsed Hillary Clinton like a month later and people quit, which was strange to me. Because I wanted to be like, did you know what we were doing? Who we were working <laughs> for? Um, but I guess people could separate it. The, 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 the super PAC was ostensibly geared around uh, environmental awareness and preventing yeah. climate change. So, But no affiliation with the Green Party. Oh, not at all. It was more like, it was a lot of like former Bernie supporters who mm. had issues with this endorsement. Um, and they could make, they could sleep better at night knowing they were working for climate change, but that's actually not really what we were doing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we, you know, electing Hillary over Trump would help prevent climate change in the long run. Well, what was the, um, the second avenue? You were talking about. So we can go down two different avenues about this particular job. Oh, it was the next job I did. I worked as a field director. Okay, how was that in relation? Like, where's the hierarchy here? So the hierarchy, let me explain real quickly, is if you go into a political office for a candidate, let's pretend like we're now. So then I worked for a candidate, which is instead of a cause, this is a candidate, and you're identifying specific voters. So... um. It was a city council campaign here in Pittsburgh. Um, and if you go into, we had a campaign office. And if you go in there, you would have you'd have volunteers, right? So this is the this is the hierarchy. You have volunteers. You have people that primarily phone bank. You have them that would um, knock doors. A lot of people did both. We had a couple people who didn't want to like talk to people. I had one volunteer. They were great. They were like, I don't like people. <laughs> I really I really enjoyed them. They liked me. And they said, if there's anything else you you, you need done, like, I'll do it. Just call me. And so, I mean, I you call them. Like, he comes stuff envelopes, and they come do it. Nice. I right. see. In my head, I was like, what, do you, what would you possibly do that isn't involving people? We had yard signs. Those yard signs are like a kind of piece of almost cardboard and then the wires that stick in the ground those have to be put together there's like two pieces yeah you put together a couple hundred of those it takes a while yeah yeah true so these are things that like we'd get volunteers to come do because you know i'm already working 70 80 100 hour weeks any any little thing that i can like throw at people that i can train them quickly and like set them to go it's great how do you get volunteers like that? Or is it all kind of built into the ever-churning-over system? Volunteers like that? Uh, we had a, we had an office that was very visible. People would walk in. They were friends of the candidate. This particular volunteer was a, uh, uh, a running partner of the candidate. And they came in, and they were like, hey, I want to help. We would have, like, we had an office opening party, and there were people there. So when people show up at the office opening party, I had a little sign-up sheet on the wall. It's like, sign up to come phone bank this weekend or or knock doors this weekend or this night and there's very specific language you use with 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 uh these volunteers and it's just like firm direct language like hey what night do you want to come knock doors and don't yeah. be like hey do you want to come knock doors you yeah go, you gotta which get night are you gonna come do it specific erica needs you yeah 
I did, I did that to you today. I was going to be like, well, around what time? Give me a ballpark. What time do you want to meet? And I was like, no, I just deleted the whole text. Like, hey, give me a time. We got to meet up. And it, as soon as I sent the text, I was like, I should be more direct. And I was like <laughs> making it hard on you. Um, because I was literally thinking what I was doing. But, um, yeah, so that like the language you use with volunteers affects so much of how much help you end up getting in these campaigns. And a lot of the training that I would do as an organizer, as a field director with interns, with organizers, with other volunteers, is like making sure they use the correct language and then training and then like, okay, repeat after me. Let's practice. Let's do it. And be like, and talk to people in certain ways. Yeah. Um, not in a, like a really bad peer pressure way, but like a direct way. Yeah. Like, hey, we need your help. Can I count on you to come in this weekend and knock doors for Yeah, put a little bit of responsibility on their shoulders so it's not as much of a choice as it is like, oh, I, I don't want to let them down. Yeah. You basically don't want to give them an out. Yeah. <laughs> let them tell you no, which is, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't change a lot of the way I talk sometimes because I'm more of a person I would say, like in my personal life, Hey, you kind of want you want to come to this at this time, or if you don't want to, that's okay. Uh, it took a lot to rewire me. Yeah, because that's just building in excuses. Yeah, it's like here's here's a handful of excuses. If you'd like to choose one, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, so you have like these volunteers in the office, and then we didn't have any interns in this campaign. Um, it was pretty short, um, so nobody was really available. Um, but you know, one thing campaigns will do is they'll have unpaid interns or paid interns and they'll sign off on college credit on whatever. <laughs> um, and you know, have, um, students come get involved and teach them a lot about this. Um, is that common, uh, credits? Yeah, it's super common. It's usually left up to the, the student to like get that completed at their individual university. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like I said, these campaigns, like are very brief things so they don't have the institutional kind of structure to like oh we have a relationship with Pitt and, we, blah, 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 and here's the program and here's what you do and here's the form yeah. something like that it's like hey if you can figure out how to get an internship out of this like mm. we'll write down your hours and what you did and say nice things about you so does your major have to be something that would involve something politically no oh, you just no. any you're going to college for anything and you can just get extra credit for Getting I mean, a little bit of an unpaid internship. Oh, like if you were, you know, a math major, could you get? I, I don't know specific. Like, no, okay, no, it's you know, just all well, these are poli sci students. All right, they get involved. So you have, um, you know, you have your volunteers, and then you have what's called an organizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizers basically like they can do a lot of different things, but they're generally kind of Swiss Army knives to deal with corralling volunteers and interns with training people with they'll often go out and knock doors until they organize themselves out of a job and they're overseeing a bunch of people doing that and kind of making sure like you know everything's running smoothly um they'll run phone banks and then above that you'll have what's called a field director and they'll run everything uh all field operations and all field operations is basically like Knocking doors, making phone calls, putting out yard signs. All right. In general, generally speaking, they take it seriously, or are there people that sign on and just kind of screw around? Or 
Um, it's, it sounds like the people that would volunteer for something like this would kind of take it seriously, but you've been in it. Like, have you experienced people that are just kind of like slacking that, off? You get people that... It's rare, um, and there's controls to prevent that. Um, a lot of it is you want to project like a... Uh, um, like an urgency to people, and... You know, I'm big on high fives and energy and getting them involved and getting them to buy in. And um, what I will say to kind of prevent that kind of person from coming in, I don't chase after people. Like, I I want them to, like, want to do it and want to say yes. If I can see they're interested. But if they're not, like, I don't chase them. Yeah. You know, don't try to push a square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's a good way of like dating as well like is, you may really like that person you may want them to come do whatever do your thing but like if they're not into it they're, you're not going to change their mind you're not going to you know yeah I, I've always said that about people in relationships that like someone breaks up with someone else and that person just begging to have them back it's like well, you already know that they want out yeah so why would you want to beg to come back with this. I don't know Unless there's some crazy extenuating circumstance. Yeah. Like, so, um, but yeah, every once in a while, we'd have somebody, like, they would show up just because they liked this one girl. That's what tell. I mean. I'm thinking of something like that if... That's pretty some, rare. But I saw it. If it happens, and then at the end of the day, you see a clipboard with no signatures on it. Like, well, is that just unheard of, or...? Well, um, so there's all kinds of other things we do. Like, so you give people goals, and you, like... Give them reward systems. I would be like, yeah, I'll buy you guys a coffee if you get to register 10 people to vote today. Um, right. Or, um, you know, you kind of set up like a friendly competition. And also, in general, I would know what that person should be able to do. So yeah. I would give them goals. So if I said, hey, um, I'm going to send you out and you need to knock these 40 doors in these two hours and you come back and you've only knocked eight like all right really okay what <laughs> happened or sometimes you would see people that kind of rarely but you would see people that clearly lied yeah and they didn't knock those doors and you could tell there's like little tricks like the pages you gave them don't really look like they've been flipped through much yeah. Uh, the markings are very uh, consistent with somebody that wants to like <laughs> took their pen and went all the way down like three pages marking random things instead of somebody like flipping, going to a door and knocking, writing something. Um, you go check on people sometimes. Like and then, so what happens if if that's the case? What, how do you handle that? Ah, you just say, "Hey, I really need your help," and you know maybe they kick it up a notch, or maybe they just never come again. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, need... I guess that would be it. One confrontation is probably enough to be like, all right, it's not for me. But if you have, like, you know, we would have, like, 30 people out at a time knocking doors, so you don't have time to really deal with, like, these. Yeah, so I guess they just kind of fall off on their own. You don't want to deal with them. I want yeah. them to go away if they're not going to knock yeah. doors. Um, trying to get productivity, because you can't do it all yourself. Yeah, I was just thinking of, like, if you have, like, a, a specific neighborhood or something that's like, oh, this is a good little chunk of land over here. And you get the slacker person on, on that really good strip, is it kind of just throwing all that away? Yeah, well, if we knew they weren't knocking, we'd go. We'd just go replace them, right? Yeah. Yeah, do them again. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Any other tiny. Um... Anyway, go. you were about to say something. Go ahead. 
Oh, and so then in the structure of the campaign, you have above the field director, you basically a couple of different branches of how the campaign is run. So you have then above that, you have the campaign manager, typically, mm-hmm. and they are basically lateral from the candidate. They are making all of the decisions. Candidate does sometimes have influence. Sometimes there's problems with that. Campaign manager should be the one who makes choices, and then it can, they can only be vetoed by the candidate. But it has, should be on rare occasions. The candidate should be focused on their duties and just getting doing all the things they need to do to get elected, which is um, making phone calls to raise money. So then you have the field director below the campaign manager. Also below that, you have the fundraiser. Um, and these two don't interact, the field director and the fundraiser, too much. So the fundraiser, that's typically a person that sets up, like, sits with the candidate while they make phone calls, asking for money from personal friends and business connections yeah. and uh, people in the community. And then setting up fundraisers, maybe a big event. You know, they set up like the Facebook page and get people invited and try to get them to come. Um, so that's a full time job often for yeah. these campaigns. Then also you have what's called, what's, uh, it's usually like PR or comms. I've never done this. Um, sometimes they're kind of more of a consultant or maybe a full time position on the campaign. And they set the, they handle like what's called the messaging like you know if you see like a release and this is a candidate in their bio they handle the language there they're typically a good writer they understand what people like in that area maybe want to hear um, and they prepare them for debates and whatnot alright um, yeah so that's kind of the structure of the campaign now in some of those positions is it you just run with the campaign, or is it this is your gig full time, all year every year, and you just bounce around where you're needed? Is this like if, they're um, all are there career people in said fields? Like say like I'm a really good fundraiser, so I'll I'll bounce around to wherever I'm needed at the time, or is it like a seasonal thing where like it's election cycles? Yeah, you're bouncing around. It's it's seasonal. Um, it's election cycles, but uh, in Pennsylvania, there's elections every year. Uh, some states there isn't but you know this year we have um, you know state reps we have governor we have one of our senators is up Um, the next year you'll have you have um, you have judges judges elections judges elections are a lot of the the off year the odd year ones so now you said yours was four months is that common like that that time frame yeah. Um, so the so if you're if you're a candidate running for election say in November, twenty eighteen, um, once they decide to run, the first thing they do, as I understand, is typically hire like a fundraiser, and then they'll hire like a comms person, consult, and maybe come on and help them, and then the last thing to get hired is field staff field director um, and as the campaign gets closer and closer to election day more and more staff gets hired so uh, okay so that's where you come in at that the four month mark or three month mark or even for this 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 campaign for city council or as a field director that was a six week mark it was a special election so uh, it was really quick yeah and they hired they had to hire somebody in a week they hired me um, six weeks out uh, five weeks out, we hired another organizer. I hired a deputy 
two weeks out from the election, I hired another organizer um, for two weeks. Um, and then for election day, we hired 10 people for election day and $100 for the day to do whatever we wanted. And they were all people I knew that like had experience doing this. I think I offered it to you. I believe you did. Yeah. And I believe I didn't call You're like, you like, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, it really... What was the gig, though, just to re- remind myself of what I was totally not going to do? You would have uh, you would have started making phone calls at 9 a.m. till 1 p.m., and then at 1 p.m. I would send you out to knock doors. Yeah, I think, I think it was the knocking doors where I was just like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. It's it's horrible. Um, not for campaigns, but for... Oh, and someone, yeah. someone tricked me into an ad in the paper way back in the day. Like, oh, come work in advertising. And then we just ended up knocking doors it's terrible that's awful <laughs> this is a little different it's not super bad like the people like so election day you're knocking doors for you're only knocking doors on people that have said they are supporting your candidate and you're just making sure they voted yeah and they said they're gonna vote so it's a fairly pleasant thing it's you get a lot of positive feedback like yeah yeah you're doing great like keep going like oh, thank okay. you I already voted but See, now in my head, I pictured a redundancy redundancy thing. Like It was like, yeah, all right, I did it already. Like, that's, like, that's like one in 30 people. Yeah. Most people are just really happy and high-fiving you. I yeah. just find that people getting a knock at the door, at least in 2018, are very off-put if, if they didn't invite someone over. Like, people lose their minds. Um, yeah. I've, <laughs> sometimes people get offended that worked for me, and they're like, Oh, this person was mad that I called or mad that I knocked on the door. And I was like, I would be personally like me. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't like you. Somebody knock on my door last week. I was like, that was that. Who's knocking on my door? I bought a bunch of no solicitor signs and stuff like that, and nobody cares. Those door knockers, they do not care at all. Oh yeah, we tell people they're not legally binding. Really, they just knock on. Go ahead. Yeah, it's yeah. They have a crazy guy. Did I tell you about that crazy guy that knocked on my door in the middle of the night? No. All right. So we, I, I get a knock, and I'm up. It's only like midnight or, you know, 1230 or something. And it's this kid, and he's like maybe 20-something, and he looks very confused but scared, and he's also not speaking. So I'm like, hey, man, do you need something? Do you need me to call someone for you or something? What time are you talking? Like, like a little after midnight. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily these cops came by. Like, right as I was trying to get him to speak, and uh, they flashed the light on him and, and got him. And I talked to the one cop, and I was got like, him, what's... Like, shot him? No, 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 like, just took him in. Right. She was just, just skinny... 2018, I'm sorry, I didn't know what you meant. Yeah, I know. It's, it, uh, just some skinny white kid who was young, and he didn't, didn't he, he didn't look necessarily threatening in any way. He wasn't disheveled or anything, but it was spooky, you yeah. know? And um, they got him, and I asked the cop after they got him in the car, I was like... What was that all about? And I'm like, he escaped from Western Psych. Oh, nice. And I was like, and he just didn't tell me anymore. He just drove off, and I was like, ah, oh, I have so many questions. That's so creepy. Yeah. What, what could that have been? And I'm so far, like, far enough away from Western Psych that he would have had to, like. This isn't in Bloomfield. This is yeah, like... I was in Bloomfield. Oh, in Bloomfield. I was, I was in Bloomfield down all the way at the end. Like, you were gonna make a trip to go down there. It was a very quiet part of Bloomfield. That's a good place to hide away. I guess. Off the beaten path. Yeah. It's weird. He didn't say anything. 
Because I would have let him in, too. I was drunk enough to be like, yeah, come on, buddy. He just found his words. He could have made it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So creepy. Anyway, so back to back to you. Um, I think we covered the majority of what the job is. But um, what, what what is your personal, like, goal? Like, what do you, do you plan on doing this again? Do you want, you have, like, a ideal future in mind? Um, Career-wise? Two ideas that bounce around for it. Uh, first off, I'm more of a math guy. Mm-hmm. Is a thing. I know, I you're a big sure, statistics guy. And I, I, I always, sure always love that. I economics and statistics. And it's, I think there's a selection bias for people that go into, like, working on campaigns for more outgoing, more less mathy people. Mm-hmm. And as such, I think there is a need um, for people capable of doing some more high-level analysis and help uh, just allocating resources more efficiently. Yeah. And helping decide that I want to win elections, win elections. So I want to help that uh, I'm studying from actuarial exams. That's some high-level math. They do risk analysis, and one potential career path is to like take those exams. And then I could go make. If I pass these exams, I'll go make bank and insurance. Hmm. But I don't want to do that. Um, is there like a a uh, prime like the, the top of the line job in that field that you would just be elated to have um well they can do so many different things or for so many different organizations all right what's like the gold mark what's like the rock star of that field that you just absolutely love to have so where i'm going with this is i would love to work in it's called data and for state and national campaigns um and with that under my belt and having worked on campaigns i could possibly help um so that's a potential kind of route for me and the experience in these jobs would help it would help it would help immensely because a lot of times there's there's numbers people who don't understand what's going into the numbers they're spitting out and understanding like what exactly this looks like on a practical level on the ground level and so i I actually be like pretty informed of that i think Mm -hmm. pretty valuable um you know um but another thing i thought of doing is Kind of running training for uh, field field organizers, operatives. Yeah. Um, now is that its own job, or is that something you're trying to, you know, fashion? That's something into a I job. would just create. Yeah. No, it's it's just good. Kind of run a like a weekend training program that you would send maybe your organizers out to it uh, before your campaign. Because like I said, you're hiring. So the so the big problem is like these people are hired with very little experience, and like things move very quickly. Um, I think there's a need for kind of training and you know the the state Democrats don't do that really and um, I think there's kind of a need for it so I'm looking to set that up for next year I think it's a that's a great thing I think that uh, career training in general is lacking a lot I mean that's one of the main reasons I put this show together is because I want people to like have a taste of what that job is you know what I mean like maybe maybe you listen to one of these episodes and you're like Oh, that sounds terrible. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. It just, it'll save you the time. Yeah, because you know? a lot of people go do this and they have, like, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You can't do this. Like, this, some of the stuff I told you, you can't do with a kid. 
Yeah. Like you exactly. can volunteer, but if you want to go work as an organizer, hundred hour weeks. Yeah. And that being said, someone that's you know not exposed to this like campus kind of life, maybe they're like that. That would be great. I would love to canvas. I would love to get into the political and they just never heard about it. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I was so excited to get you on here for yeah. so long. All right. <laughs> um, so uh, just just to tap on that, and then we'll get into some some darker fare than lighter fare. Um, what about other people that are looking to, to push their career towards the future? What would these jobs help launch? If you wanted, to, like, what does this job lead yeah, like, to? Say someone, what, if you want to get into this, say. We already, I think we already covered yeah. that. How do you want to get into this? That's relatively easy. You just go volunteer. If you want to get into this, go volunteer for a campaign. And then the next campaign, you know, go help a lot. And when they, so I'll touch on that a little bit, is like when they ask you to do things, when they give you roles and want to assign responsibility to you, take it, mm-hmm. run with it. You know, I, I, had a, I had a volunteer for my campaign in the spring. And he would come and phone bank like twice a week. He wanted to get into politics. He'd done some other stuff. And eventually I made him phone bank director. And he was like, well, that's absurd. I can't do this. He was like, I was like, just, just do it. Uh, and basically he just helped other people around him like manage the like computer system. He had yeah. like 70-year-old people that don't use the, this system. Yeah. And um, he was great at it. And uh, then right out of that campaign, you know, another different organization another pack actually was hiring organizers and i recommended him and he got a job he got a job straight into politics after volunteering for like six weeks nice they hire people they just want to know they're capable and they want a recommendation that this person can learn and adapt good well that that goes right into what i was talking about about um uh the trajectory into something else like say you don't want to canvas or anything like yeah. that and it's what's the light at the end of the tunnel and that's exactly the answer to that it's that you got he got himself a recommendation and he got to the light at the end of the tunnel which is a job in politics well he ended up canvassing a lot the, the job i'm talking about he got a job as an organizer now if he wants to keep going so this is where you're getting at is um what are the what are the career arcs for people that are doing this what do they want to do why are they yeah most people that are doing this they have end goals in sight of like you know so my candidate won in overwhelming fashion because she did great we did great i did great everybody below me did great it was great Mm -hmm. um they get the job they get elected to this position they um most elected positions carry with them almost all elected positions carry with them staff members so the city pays for this is a city council candidate and they have um two paid positions these are decent positions i think they pay you know um or the city council has like one hundred twenty thousand dollars for paid positions they can split that up maybe they want to do that three ways they do that two ways and have some like interns yeah but Basically, they have paid positions, and uh, um, you know a lot of people want those. So yeah. that's that's the goal. Sometimes, um, you know, uh, I like I said, I turned down a role in a state or a campaign for a state representative. They, I heard they had something like four four positions or six positions or something like two in Harrisburg. I come back here in their home district. 
I don't know exactly what it is, but a lot of people, like, that's what they want to do. And then they stay in those positions for a while. And then maybe they run for office. But most of the time, like, it's not a crossover. Like, the candidates aren't, like, coming from this pool of, like, yeah. the jobs I've been doing. Um, although some people do do this stuff and then eventually well, I imagine office. you can get a taste for it. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe they become chief of staff and then they run for office. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, actually, my candidate that I worked for, yeah, was the chief of staff at one point. So um, there's that. Um, I had, uh, you know, one friend, he worked in politics, worked for Governor Rendell, a bunch of other people, and um, he ended up starting, like, a consulting firm, and they, sometimes I don't even know what he does, but they, it's like, liaisons, but a lot of, like, they, what they say is a lot of political, a lot of politics is just relationships, knowing people, knowing who to call, Somebody that, like, knows who you are and yeah. help you out. I imagine that's a lot of it. Um, you know, the sometimes people start consulting firms for campaigns. They're like, oh, we're going to come advise you on how to run it. You know, if I kept working on campaigns and got enough experience and enough, um, a good track record of winning campaigns, then I could then go to campaigns and go, down the line in 2020 and 2024 and go, hey, I'll help you. I'll help you do this. I'll help you set it up and pay me a handsome fee. Alright. That's something. Yeah. Alright, now I'm going to touch on something a, a little darker because um, it's something we talked about several times in attempting to get this sit down. Dark. And uh, I wish I wish my phone was recording those phone calls because I thought they were very poignant. I don't know how poignant we're going to get today, but I want to talk a little bit about depression. Yeah. And how it relates to, um, I, I don't know, I don't know how we got down the road originally, maybe being overworked or not having the proper goals or creativity or see if you can pick up anywhere here. Yeah, sure. Um, I deal with uh, clinical depression. I have dealt with it for most of my adult life. I identified it in college. I have ups and downs. I, you know, and people who know me have seen me go up and down. You know, uh, you've known me for a long time. Mm -hmm. You've seen me sometimes I'm better, sometimes I'm worse. <laughs> yeah. um, you deal with it as well. I do. We both I see do each it other. In, my, in my own ways, but yes. Uh, and what I'll say about this, what I've learned about this, you know, I'm very sensitive to my environments. Um, my work environment, my living environment, my financial situation are a couple of triggers. Um, relationships can be a trigger. Mm -hmm. There's actually, I found other like the four main triggers is my living environment, my work environment, finances, and what was the last thing? Relationships? Relationships. Uh, and also, strangely enough, my car. <laughs> I have a functioning car. It gets in, in and of itself. Like, it's I a huge to, stress reliever. It's a huge stress reliever, but it's not just about getting around. It's like I, it's very cathartic for me to drive and also yeah. know that I can just, if I want to fuck off and leave right now, like yeah, you can. If I want to go to Cleveland right now after this, I can go. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that. Yeah, no, there's something magical about that. It's like yeah. well, we can look at a movie time and be like, oh, let's, we can get there today. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. being able to wake up in the morning and, and just say to myself, like, I'm gonna drive to New York City. Yeah. And I'm actually going to get there in time to, like, have a fun evening. 
Yeah, and sometimes it, I do that. Yeah, um, that's it's amazing, and I don't think enough people take advantage, of it, especially people here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like it, it, they, you knock it because of where it's at, but it's like we're so close to so many major cities that yeah, you could just fuck off and go to any one of those. Like you could be in Chicago at the it's end of the night yeah. if 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 you leave in the morning. Go fucking live in Denver and see how far apart shit is out there. Like yeah, exactly. Not, you can't get anywhere, but here, you know, like I. I've never been to Toronto. I gotta go to Toronto. It's really close. Yeah, I had a friend of mine said she just went up there. She just, you know, just took a weekend trip. Yeah. <laughs> Cross the border, check out Niagara Falls. Me and my friends are planning check out a, the city. Uh, a trip to Milwaukee and Green Bay for December to mm-hmm. watch like a Packers game and a Bucks game. We're gonna drive up there. It'll be great. Yeah. We're have a best boyfriend's trip. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, yeah, we wrapped that depression up in a nice little boat, didn't we? <laughs> Ah, oh, there's much more to talk about. But um, what I found is campaigns are, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Axe? Sword? I don't know. Whatever that thing is. Blades on both sides. Both of them do. Sword, um, Is, it, it, it energizes you. Like, you really, you get immersed in it. I find myself almost manic, high-fiving people all day, feeding off energy, it's great, and then there's a crash afterwards. There's a real and real post-election um, kind of just depression sets in. Um, you need time to sleep, and then it's just. I, I found for me personally, it's it's tricky to manage, and I don't know. I haven't figured out a good way to do that. And yeah, it's very difficult. What do we do? And that's what it is—a balance. And you know, it's, it's a very a small of part of me turning down this one race was like, well, what happens after you know on November sixth when I crash, and then what if I don't get out of bed for three months? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Is it gonna be three days or three months? I don't know. Um, and I can put protection. I can kind of do things. Just kind of socially engineer myself and put things in place to try to prevent that. But you know, but that's in, work too. In twenty sixteen. Put a lot into it. Put your heart and soul. Because a lot of times, so one thing is, what I will say is, you get really invested in the outcome of mm. your race. So I, I won this one this year, and that felt great. You know, um, a lot of the. By the way, an interesting thing is, a lot of these races for candidates, you're given. You can negotiate a win bonus. Ah, what kind of bonus are we talk? Um, Ball, ballpark. You don't have to give me an exact number. It's typically a month's pay. Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine, because of the sh- it was a shorter race, wasn't quite that. But it was four figures. And I actually, we won. It was announced. And I forgot that I had just also gotten that bonus for like 45 minutes. Because there was a, there was a victory party afterwards, after the yeah. election. And, um, uh, you know, my... My um, my deputy who got the same bonus was like, "Yeah, win bonus, baby." And I was like, "Oh my god, I, I forgot that we <laughs> I got about this. That this is great." Um, but like, so that's that's an example of a good outcome in 2016. Uh, I don't know if you know what happened, but Donald Trump ended up winning. I, I think I heard that somewhere. That was yeah. a bad outcome. I was pretty invested. A lot of people were upset, but like you can't imagine how upset you would be if you'd been working for 100 hours a week. And listen, I knew I wasn't going to change the outcome of the race. I'm not that foolish. Like, oh, if I'd just done a little bit more. Yeah. 
no, it didn't matter what I did, but you still like you know, people felt pretty confident, you know. I'm a numbers guy. The numbers said that he had about twenty percent chance of, of winning. And here's the thing about a twenty percent chance that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a two hundred average in baseball. People get hit sometimes. By the way, just because he won doesn't mean those predictions were wrong. It means their probabilities. This is something people don't understand. But yeah, this is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> but yeah, he had the outcome that the one we didn't want, and uh, that was a rough night. I got really drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I punched something. It was there was a lot of emotion going around. Not a person, punch a person, inanimate <laughs> object. But, but uh, your your little pet peeve thing just sparks something in my head because it's a pet peeve of mine. I read it in a statistics book. Way before this had to be like 15 years ago. Um, when people throw out that statistic of like something, something happens every three seconds, that's not really the case. That, that, that thing like doesn't happen every three seconds. It's the statistic. Can you explain that a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? Kind of. I'm trying to connect with what trying the to connect with something like, that. like every uh, like a person commits suicide every three seconds or something. Yes, like that. just go with that. Someone commits suicide every three seconds. Now, obviously, you don't count three Mississippi and then someone's dead yeah so how does that because it's been so long since I read that how does that translate in the um, the realistic numbers it means on average every three seconds it happens okay so that's the part that they're leaving out there's a All famous right. almost definitely apocryphal story about Bono mm-hmm. when he's like he was like he's like on stage this is not true but it's a great still it's a great story even if it isn't true it was uh he was um, on stage, and he's he's big into all his charitable causes. And he was like, every every time I clap my hands, a child in Africa uh, dies of starvation. And somebody yells, "Stop clapping your hands!" <laughs> I imagine that happened. I believe that. <laughs> Something similar might have happened yeah. at some point. Yeah, um, it's very on brand with Bono, and yeah, that's a that's a good heckler right there. Yeah, like so. Yeah, it's on average, like. You know, um, but yeah, the distribution of these suicides is spread out over a yeah. period of time. Essentially, I'm asking, like, like, how like do they get away with, well, obviously it's not that, but I mean, I hate that things are so often referred to in that way. I think that's done to show the urgency in the immediacy. Well, no, I, I know the purpose of, the, of Here's it. the big problem. With the fucking statistics. Mm-hmm. I go on a side rant. Go, for, go you. for it. And I'm going to pinpoint maybe your problem with it is this country's fucking enormous. Yeah. Everything's happening all the time if you average it out. Like, uh, every fucking 14 seconds, somebody gets something stuck in their ass. Like, <laughs> anything you can imagine happens all the time in a country of. 300 and some million people of all these different like walks of life and different areas and it's um it's not really that instructive like we talk about gun deaths right and then we compare in other country but we're not scaling up the population um that's what i mean that becomes a problem yes it's 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 Um, i think we have a problem it's a false with um gun deaths but like we you'd be like oh yeah we have a we have a death every, you know, 
you know, a toddler shoots themselves every two minutes or something. And then, like, in Switzerland, it's every uh, month. Well, it's a big country. Yeah. A bigger country. So you have to scale those down in population and do, um, you know, it goes back to the old saying, there's lies, damned lies and statistics. Yeah. And um, a lot of what actuaries do is put numbers, it's basically explaining numbers to people. Yeah. And a lot of times you see these numbers, some of these ones you're talking about, and it's people just being dishonest and advancing their own agenda. That's that's what I mean. Fiddling with numbers, and a lot of what I want to do and a lot of what I do is untangling that and going, okay, this is actually what's going on. It feels disingenuous. That's what I was going for. It, yeah, it's if you break down the numbers, I'm sure it's factually accurate, but misrepresenting your cause to that level, and then having people at protests and stuff scream these. I don't know. I'm getting off track here. Yeah. Um, no, no. It's, I love this stuff. <laughs> I know. That's why. That's the only reason I brought it up. Because I was like, this is a topic I should not weigh in on because I don't have all the facts. I think the book I was re- referencing earlier was called Culture of Fear. That just came to me, just in case anyone wants to look that up. Um, Journalists the, are very guilty of doing this. Yes. I, I see it everywhere. And I see it all the time. This is, that's by the way, that's not like a... a me going on this some rant about fake news and no 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 no, no. I, that's I was trying to anything like that I was trying I mean, to find a way to wade that <laughs> but like there is problems with reporting sometimes and journalists need to they take liberties and have math people explain things to them so they can represent them and report them in accurate ways mm-hmm. so I know that was another reason I, I wanted to do this in a non like politically biased kind of way because I. I, I I genuinely want people to listen to this and just be like, I just want to know about the gig, man. I don't need your politics. I don't need yeah. such and such. And um, Incidentally, I think, like I said, I work for um, Democratic politicians. Yeah, but um, I still think we were very fair in but, what, the, yeah, what the job is. And what I'll say is um, Republican organizations look very similar. It's, it's very I imagine. That's why, that's why I was if asking. If you're a Republican and you're listening to this, just gotta do it. Just go find a Republican and yeah. volunteer for him. Exactly, and I imagine it's the same for any other. Or thing, so. rethink your life. And come. <laughs> um, all right, so let's wrap it up with some fun stuff. Right. Now, um, I've been kind of all over the place with this, but I'm, I'm just gonna go random. So, um, what's your favorite movie? Don't think about it. Just what's the first thing that pops in your head? The Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Good answer. Okay. I'm looking around at the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but that is my favorite movie. That's good. I just saw it for the first time. You believe oh, that? It's delightful. It's got everything. It did. It's it, got was, action. it was. I was an adult man that sat and watched it by himself for the first time. Yeah, it was. Great. It was good. It was good. Um, since we're on books right here, what's um, what's a book that you could read over and over again? Uh, a book I could read over and over again. Yeah, I don't want to say your favorite book, but something that just be like, I just want to unwind with this because I know it. Anything come to mind? Um, I can't say The Princess Bride. Um, I mean, I guess you could. There's no rules here. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that before. That's okay. a fiction. I was, like, a lot of the things I like, I read a lot of nonfiction, but that's a nonfiction book I can read over and over again. Okay, so good. Um, uh, what's the best advice you ever got? Again, don't think about it. Just what pops in your head. 
I tend to ask people and they and they want to dig deep. And I don't listen to advice. I don't listen to people. I'm bad at that. All right. Oh. That could be I, advice I on its own. I, I did have an I did have an answer. Let's see what I came up with. That was good. I got a lot of bad advice from my dad. Give me give me your worst advice. What's the worst advice you ever got? Oh, I'm blanking here. I mean, my dad, you know, when I went to college, he's like, there's a 95% chance you'll meet the woman you marry in college. And I was like, that's absurd. 95? Yeah. Is that what made you be a statistics guy? Yeah, my You're dad's like, a math teacher. Where's this chick at? My dad's a math teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the night before graduation, I was like, I really think he's wrong. Yeah. I knew he was wrong. It's absurd. Um, uh, yeah, people throw around, around the term 95%. Yeah. Really high number. Don't throw around that term. Yeah. 95% I think certain. That's good advice. Don't go throwing around 95% when it's not 95%. Yeah, the best advice I've ever gotten is advice I'm giving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, words like 95%, 98%, 99%. Do you know how like high those numbers are? Those are really high numbers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. All right. So um. Let's go from that to uh, the, the great dumb question I love asking: What's what's your favorite uh, snack or candy? Like a go-to, like a just like Hershey's white chocolate cookies and cream. All right. Very specific answer. Breakaway. See, this is why I like treat. asking this question because I get very strange answers from people. People that are answers that I would not have guessed. I feel like those 50 cent, bang for your buck, those 50 cent honey buns, those are great. Yeah, I usually ask that question separately, like snack and then candy, but I was trying to like lump them both together. But yeah, 50 cent honey bun, I mean, that's that's prison gold. I almost picked one up and I'm like trying to eat better. Literally on the way here, I was like, huh, no, okay. Yeah, I think that's another big part of why America is the way it is. It's just because like, I can go spend $4 at McDonald's and have a meal, a hot meal. But, you know. A lot of calories. Yeah. Yes. And you, you're hungry. It's 50 cents for a honey bun. It's like, that's, that's a pretty have, big have, honey bun. We have a lot of access to cheap calories, which is good and bad. Yeah. It's just everywhere. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I like these fun questions. Yeah. That's, that's why I like to wrap it up with this stuff. We keep it light. Um all right, we're, we're having some drinks here. What's what's your uh, cocktail? You're a fancy cocktail bar. You get whatever you want. What do you want? White Russian. White Russian. Good yeah. answer. And I liked him before, the Big Lebowski. Good. I'm really old, and that made it a lot cooler. People stopped criticizing me yeah. for not being a real man. Yeah, I, I, I could always, my always canned response is always like, yeah, Big Lebowski. Yeah, that movie did a lot for, for white Russians. Drinking. Yeah it's a buddy of mine got me into it and i was like why would i put milk in my booze like what's the matter with you and then he whipped me up one and i was like it's actually really good you can make them strong mm-hmm. and it doesn't overpower it so it's a good drink to order that in a long island to if like you know the bartender it's your buddy he's gonna fucking spike it whether you say hey take it easy on me man if you're like <laughs> because if you order a rum and coke you know the bartender? You're in for a bad time. Like, I don't want to drink five parts <laughs> rum and one part Coke. That's an awful drink. I have some friends that would beg to differ, but, yeah. I, I, this, I have some people who are like, hey, hey, Coke for color. 
Coke for color. I hate that. It's just, I want one part rum, four or five parts Coke. It's, I'm drinking whiskey and ginger ale right now. Same thing, one part whiskey, four parts ginger ale. But um, White Russian stands up to, like, getting spiked pretty heavy. Yeah, and you, you not necessarily notice. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um, any, um, I mean, I know you're a big sports guy, but I have, I have no sports questions for you right now. Yeah. Uh, I have his favorite general activity. You're off. You have nothing to do. No worries. Stay off. What are you doing? Ah, it depends on how I'm feeling. Um, Say you're having a good day. <laughs> having a good day? I like hanging out with friends. Taking a movie. I like movies and TV a lot. Yeah. Fairly sedentary activities. Yeah. They do while I'm doing other things. That works. I, there was something I wanted to touch on with the depression with that, too. I like, I like going to check out a movie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it too. Once I started realizing I can go to movies by myself, it really opened a lot of a lot of windows for me. Fifty percent of the movies I've gone to in my life, I've been to by myself. I, I, I go yeah. ten movies a year. Half of them I go to by myself. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't have any friends that like anything I like. <laughs> That's a big problem with that. Also, I don't feel like waiting for people. If I want to see something. Oh yeah, you can if see a movie something. Movie just on came out this weekend, and it's Sunday night, and I'm ready to go I want to go see it I'll like text a couple people like hey I'm going to go see Mission Impossible 6 at the waterfront at 1030 if you want to come and nobody ever comes Yeah. sometimes somebody joins and it's delightful but. yeah it's nice um, yeah I think that'll do it um, do you have anything to add? Um, if you could if someone gave you $1,000 right now, what would you do with it? $1,000? dollars $1, right now. You could do anything you want with it. It would go towards bills. Okay. That's that's the usual answer I get. Okay. Um, let's talk to 18-year-old you. Someone gives 18-year-old you $1,000. What would your 18-year-old self... What would I tell my 18-year-old self to do with it? Let's, let's go idiot, like... What would that idiot do with it? What... <laughs> Let's go with what um what you would tell him to do with it, and then follow up with what do you think he'd do? Because that fucking idiot did get handed. Like I got refund checks in college because I was poor, mm-hmm. so they give you like cost of living. They give you an extra like fifteen hundred dollars a semester just to like. So I had like room and board, tuition, and then I got like extra money to live on, which would some would go like I had no expenses. There's a famous line in community where Jeff goes to live in the dorms and they're like, Oh, how's it going? He's like, It's great. I spent seventy five cents this week. <laughs> you don't have any expenses. Like and that was probably on laundry because that's the only thing you had to like to get your any money out for. And I was given fifteen hundred dollars um in a refund check. And I thought I was rich and I spent it all on this fledgling website called eBay at that point and bought a lot of dumb shit and I don't have any of it today. Alright, so what would you uh, what would you tell your 18 year old self to do with it? And you can't say things like, oh, invest in Apple or... Oh, I, I can't say I got something prescient. I would say invest it, put it in a um, index fund. Index put it fund. in the the NASDAQ index fund or the, the Dow Jones index fund, something invest in the state of 
country's economy. And it'll, it'll make money over time if you keep it in there for 30 years, as long as the country doesn't collapse, which isn't necessarily a sure thing anymore. So <laughs> then you invest it in some other country like China's index fund, and they'll be fucking fucked. All right, I think that's sound advice, and I think that that's a good place to go out on. All right. Uh, the um, Yeah, what I'll, what I'll leave it on is if you want to get involved in the campaign, just go to their, their website, send them a message. That's the best way to get in contact with campaigns sometimes. Say, I want to help. Somebody call me, get a hold of me, text me. And they're, they always need help. If any of this sounded cool, and get involved. Yeah. It's a great way to meet people, too. I love it. So I like getting involved in campaigns. I meet a lot of interesting people, and they're often like-minded, which is a kind of a cool thing. All right, sweet. So, um, I think I glossed over it, too, even though that was a perfect ending. We'll do one more thing, right. it's just just in case. Right. Just in case there's something there. Do you have any good, like, canvassing stories, like knocking on a door and something happens? Canvassing stories. Because if not, I'll just cut this whole thing out. <laughs> and we'll uh, end on that last note. Canvassing clipboarding stories. Oh, well, okay. So, you know, we... Um, this is... Canvassing... Yeah, so... Registering people to vote on college campuses. At the end of 2016, a um, couple fun things I would notice is, like, one in, like, 30 students... Students um, don't know how to spell Pittsburgh. That's fascinating. Which is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they just leave the H off the end. And that's not like a transcription error. That's like, they, oh, they just don't know that there's an H on the end of this. And they go here. But to be fair, a lot of these people I'm talking about, like, I, we were registering, we're registering freshmen who just got to campus. But I know they've seen this word in print. Um, but they've been here maybe a couple days, maybe the first day. A lot of them will be registered. But yeah, like one thirty or so, no fucking H. That's pretty wild. That's, that's, that's what I got. That's a, yeah, it's good. It's a nice little bonus fact. Yeah. Thanks for doing the show, man. No problem. Thank you.